In between the beginning and end of life, there is creation. And in between the beginning and end of creation, there is time for the Forecast Podcast. Welcome. I'm your ever-intrepid host, Sophie O. My guest today is Danish artist Andreas Albrechtsen. He was such a fascinating guest, very gracious and insightful and somewhat philosophical. His art, especially the pieces he describes, are influenced by everything from French philosopher Roland Barthes to European weather patterns. And I hope you're excited by his unique view of the world as I was. So take a listen. All right. I am here with Andreas Albrechtsen. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. Awesome. That's correct. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. So I'm going to start by asking, through my research about you, I noticed that you describe your work as uh, souvenirs. I wanted to know why you chose that word to describe your works and what that word like means to you. Yeah. So I'm curious to, to know also where you've uh, found that information from because it's true. I've I've described my not my works as such, but the imagery that's connected to my works as souvenirs. But it's a long time ago. It's eleven years ago when I was still doing my MFAs at the Malmö Art Academy in Sweden. I wrote a master's, and maybe it's the master's uh, that you found online somewhere. But in, in my master's, I, I wrote that because I was collecting, I had this, um, my practice was focused around the activity of collecting found images, especially these uh, vintage press photographs and archival images found online that I would, you know, then buy on eBay and then use as source material in my drawings. And then I would refer to these found images as souvenirs because I was uh, interested in, in like the etymology of the word and its relation to uh, nostalgia. So souvenir is like the French word for remembering, but its origin is, you know, it originates in the Latin word, which is souvenire, which means something like coming to one's rescue. And the main purpose of the souvenir is to aid one's memory, to remind the owner of the souvenir of a specific time and place, and then trigger certain emotions. So in my case, uh, I was interested in the emotional impact that found images can trigger, a feeling of homesickness maybe that makes you miss something that you haven't actually lost because you haven't uh, experienced it or maybe you didn't exist at the time that the photo was taken. So that was, that was uh, you know, uh, why I... Uh, referred to uh, my source material as souvenirs, but not my uh, actual work, uh, because I refer to those as, you know, art. But it's a good question. <laughs> uh, thank you. I'm actually not sure where I found it. I know I have, it must have been an article, perhaps on your website. I honestly need to look it mm, up again. Mm, yeah, but um, I think it's I think it's interesting that that you're asking me this, and it's not the first time actually. So so I think something about the idea of the souvenir in relation to my work is something that resonates with more people and maybe it's something I should elaborate more on again. I don't know. Well, I think for me, it's that when you th I think of a souvenir, I think of like a tchotchke you get from a gift shop yeah. and yeah. Um, you're 
your imagery and your art is so different from that or i don't know i i guess that's my perspective on it but i i don't know hmm. i don't yeah. know Th that's true i mean um i think now like i'm i'm fast forwarding to to my practice today because you know when i wrote that it was 2011 and a lot of things have happened in my personal life in my career in my practice and also like in technology today today i'm I, I think in my practice i'm more interested in like the simultaneity of the internet mm -hmm. and uh and i work with um you know i work with contemporary imagery today because images today and you know photographic souvenirs has a completely different status uh today so like if you post something on social media it stays relevant for like only minutes, maybe a few hours, before it, it disappears into this uh, algorithmic algorithmic uh, oblivion. So everything becomes history so fast that we have to keep up uh, posting to keep up with you know to social media. So I think uh, the souvenir today, I mean, it's a meme or something. I don't know. It's uh, that's that's all true. I really, I really resonate with that. And when you say it, it's it's a meme or something, I feel like anything could be a meme nowadays. <laughs> is the uh, yeah, is both the yeah. fun and the trouble of it all. Yeah, and um, I think that was that's that's what triggers me a lot in my practice. I think a lot about what images mean today and how we consume images and how this contrast and contradiction between the old and the new and like the the fast pace of technology and how everything becomes obsolete so quickly, like technology and the images connected to technology. For instance, I've been, you know, I, I work with, let me just maybe start uh, by s introducing my practice a little. Uh, I work with drawing primarily in my practice. I work with uh, charcoal, graphite on paper, which are, you know, really basic a ancient materials to some. But it's um, but it's also an an incredibly um, how do you say it's a material that you can really refer to a lot of things through drawing that you can't uh, through painting because painting if you once you have a canvas you know it's it's uh, the reference the frame of reference is incredibly small it refers to art but if you work on paper which I do. You have a frame of reference that could be, you know, uh, writing. It can be letters, uh, anything which has paper in it. Um, and I find that interesting because everyone has uh, has an experience with drawing from their childhood, or it's it's a way more democratic medium. And so the images that I work with today are for instance um screensavers uh so i've done a big series of uh charcoal drawings which um which takes its uh which is based on um the images that you find on your uh, mac book when you open your computer you'll have a desert or maybe a mountain range and i was quite interested in how um, so many people like millions of people have an image of a desert as the first thing, the first like uh, nature image that you uh, that you encounter uh, every day is this desert or maybe a, a mountain, uh, which is a symbolic uh, image for maybe an obstacle or the vastness of the internet or maybe it's um, 
yeah, it can mean a lot of things. And um, and so it's a it's a specific uh, type of of images imagery that I work with. Um, and to come back to the idea of uh, the simultaneity of the internet, so it's um, I don't know the status of of of, of souvenirs today. Uh, maybe it's um, do we collect souvenirs today? I mean, I uh, maybe some uh, do. I personally do yeah. not. <laughs> do we need to 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 collect souvenirs when we when we um, document ourselves all the time mm-hmm. on social media? Every time we go on a holiday, a vacation, we take a selfie, so we're actually leaving something behind instead of taken something and i think this is quite a statement but i think we're actually we're actually not getting so much out of our surroundings because we are um you know projecting ourselves onto our surroundings so as tourists if we just uh, take pictures of ourselves and not the environment you know what are we even learning about our environment and um, the places that we visit yeah. And I resonate with that as well, because every time I've been a tourist, I've noticed more people are interested in taking photos of what they're seeing instead of mm. seeing what they're seeing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. That's like the yeah. phone becomes a second eye or a third eye, I should say. Yeah. yeah it's um, And, you know, social media, is a, it's like a habit that that um, can become an addiction. And I have that, you know, sometimes I, I really have to be cautious mm-hmm. that because I work, I use it for work and I use it for um, a lot of things. But, um, you know, when you start becoming too aware about self-aware through social media, it can kind of trigger like a s- small existential crisis uh, because we're so like uh, self-aware, like seeing oneself seeing, as you're saying. And um, yeah, and this kind of reminds me a little bit about something that um, there's this French philosopher and semiologist called uh, Roland Barthes that he once wrote that um, about, you know, um, what happens when we uh, pose in front of a camera is that we become inauthentic because we start to experience ourselves, how we want others to think we are or how the photographer maybe thinks we are. So uh, Roland Barthes, he described this uh, moment where we pose as a micro version of death because when you're photographed, um, you start transforming yourself from subject to object. I find find that quite interesting. Yeah. In relation to this, micro version of death. That. Um... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just to. Uh, he wrote that a long time ago. I, I, th- I think it was in Camera Obscura. It's from mm. the beginning of the '80s. It's a book. It's a great book about photography, like the philosophy about photography. I've I've been reading that a lot. Um, uh, also, when I was a, a student at in, in art school, that and also a book by uh, Svetlana Boym uh, called "The Future of Nostalgia." Oh, she was uh, she was she recently passed away, sadly, but she was um, a professor. I think it was at Harvard University. Uh, she wrote this fantastic book on nostalgia and uh, what nostalgia is, and uh, she's kind of dissecting the term uh, in a very interesting way and i highly recommend it oh well thank you both of that that wonderful answer and those book recommendations i love both of those um yeah so you kind of went into this a little bit earlier but i want you to like maybe tell me a story about creating one of your pieces in particular and like take us through both the emotional and physical journey of creating that maybe your most recent one or one that really sticks in your memory yeah 
I think maybe it's, um, well, what I'm working on now in the studio is uh, wind drawing. And um, also to put it in relation to the Forecast magazine uh, uh, publication that is um, mm -hmm. is on the way, I am doing a um, big uh, uh, graphite drawing uh, where um, the starting point is a screen grab image from the center of this it's um from uh, it's called the european center for medium range forecasts they have like a website where you can track the weather and you can track uh, the wind especially uh, over europe or maybe uh, also i think also the american continent and african uh, africa and um and the world but so here in my drawing i'm the basis like uh uh, a weather chart showing the wind directions over Europe on the 1st of January this year. So, um, so you see like the, um, this very cartographic uh, chart of Europe and you see all these arrows um, and um, yeah, uh, going around on the surface and it's a complete, it's a very dense uh, pattern of uh, arrows and, um, and it's made with graphite. So it's a black and white image and um yeah, I think it's it's. I'm trying to to describe uh, the visual, the visual, the, um, like the the work, but it's a bit difficult when I don't have it in front of uh, of me. But um, you mentioned that it's in black and white, and from what I can tell, almost well, not even almost. It seems like all of your works are in black and white. Is there a particular reason you chose that? I've been working with black and white drawings I've been drawing in black and white uh, ever since uh, my uh, my years at the art academy and um, I think there's not a particular reason for that how I started that I think it was because it was just I had a necessity to understand the images that I was working with better and I felt that color was a distraction uh, because um, and I didn't want to color in drawings i mean uh and i felt that color has to have some sort of significance other than just being you know decorative or uh, mm -hmm. uh, illustrative so with black and white you you become close you, you you connect i mean you become closer to the substance of the image um it's more conceptual in a way because you you reflect more and you're more critical of the image when it's in black and white. So I just connect, continued uh, working with uh, grayscales, black and white um, ever since. And it's also a way of, you know, working with um, different images. Uh, so a screensaver or maybe a wind drawing. The the absence of color is actually what unifies all the works as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I've been working with black and white. Interesting. Thank you. And um, so, and you mentioned, thank you for that mentioning that our next forecast issue is atmosphere. It has a lot, which can mean a lot of different things. But can can I can I can I get back to to the to the work of uh, the the weather drawing? I felt yes. that I kind of uh, <laughs> I kind of. Uh, uh, lost uh, the um, I lost it a little bit there Go ahead. while I was ex explaining it. It happens sometimes when you don't have like a visual material on the side. I'm so used to uh, 
presenting my work with um, in front of an audience, and then you have like a screen, and then you can point, and then you know it's it, it's easier. So it's actually the first time I'm uh, being interviewed live uh, in a podcast. So yes, please go but, ahead. Um, <laughs> okay, so this uh, weather uh, the wind drawing that I've been um, that I'm working on it's. Uh, it's made by hand and by graphite on paper. And um, as I said, it shows the wind directions over Europe on the 1st of January this year. This is, of course, a symbolic date because it's a new year and a new chapter. So the date is not, it's not significant as such, but it's just, you know, it, it, it's, it, has, um, it has a symbolism in it because every year, I think since 2020, has been extremely symbolic and loaded with tension. Uh, because of pandemics and elections and wars. So the drawing encapsulates both a uh, forecast and a process, uh, before and a during and an after. It, it shows a forecast and it's also a process uh, of me drawing it. And of course, it also shows, um, you also put the time in perspective. And, you know, it, 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 um, the date of the forecast becomes this geopolitical prediction of I don't know, like uh, social structural currents uh, that, you know, may prove to be disastrous uh, mm. in the long run. But uh, but the, the, the manual, you know, the, the actual um, process of working on it uh, is, is quite simple. I mean, I start uh, with an image from an online image that I print uh, out in, in the size that I want to work with, like a one-to-one. -one. Uh, and these are quite big. They're two meters and 16 centimeters uh, wide and a meter and 14 centimeters uh, high. And I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm not really uh, familiar with the, uh, the metric system in, in the US, but so I'm, I only have centimeters. Um, That's no problem. <laughs> but yeah, it's extremely time consuming because you have to, uh, I'm, I'm literally uh, transferring each and every arrow found on the image uh, onto paper and you know there's hundreds and hundreds of arrows symbolizing the wind direction and um, and this is a time-consuming process it takes a month uh, for me to to uh, produce uh, a drawing uh, in that uh, in that scale and um, I mean the arrow is is an interesting uh, symbol because it's it's a symbol for direction or progress it's a universal uh, symbol but it's also quite ambiguous because it's um, originally a weapon. Mm -hmm. So you can also read um, this kind of movement of conflict between nations if you want. And I find that ambiguity quite interesting. And yeah, and in relation to these drawings, uh, so last year when the war uh, between Ro Russia and Ukraine uh, broke out, there was this news article that I read about the potential impact that war can have on weather forecasts. And I've never thought about that because there's apparently there's a risk, you know, when you, when you destruct infra, when infrastructure is, 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 is um, being destroyed, that also includes weather stations and observatories, of course. And what happens is that, you know, meteorologists, they work together uh, between borders uh, in order to track the weather. And if you destroy weather stations in Ukraine or maybe in Russia or elsewhere, uh, the meteorologists, they are left with blind spots, making it uh, harder to track the weather. And 
and the forecast becomes less reliable in this uh, absence of uh, data. And um, yeah, so these are, are things that I've been thinking about uh, in, in, in connection to, uh, to the drawing process, yeah. I never considered that actually myself, that weather would be impacted by war. And it's such an unfortunate like subject to consider, but so is war in general. But thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. So I'm going to ask you maybe one more last question. How did you first get involved with Forecast? And um, do you foresee like any more collaborations in the future? So I've been working with for the Forecast uh, team on, on this uh, publication for, I think, Farida. She came in contact, contact with me in august about this and uh, i've been you know uh, communicating f uh, with her since but i've known farida a little bit before because um, i've also collaborated uh, with her on a different project uh, earlier and so i have re a very good experience with her and she's super professional and uh, i enjoy her yeah professional uh, approach to uh, to working and um, and i thought that this context of the forecast magazine and especially this it, the issue of the atmosphere issue, which is coming out in November, I found that like uh, perfect for a uh, perfect context for my drawings. And um, so my experience has, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm remote. I'm, I'm in Copenhagen. She's in, in LA. And, and, um, and so I'm not able to be physically a part of the, of the production of the magazine, but, um, but absolutely. I mean, it's been a, a privilege and uh, I'm very happy to be a part of it. I'm so glad. And uh, to be fair, I'm not a physical part of the production either. I'm on the East Coast, so mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a similar experience. Mm. So I think that's all I wanted to ask you today. This was so insightful and so fun. Thank you for being here with me. You're very welcome. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And so, our time together, for now, is over. Our time together will come again. Now is the time for creation and exploration. The moon rises, the sun sets. I'm Sophie O, and this has been The Forecast Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>